especially just give a shout out to the teen ladies in here because I really like them and I feel really grateful for them. And actually, when I think about comparison, I feel like these guys are heroes in my eyes because I think high school is so hard. So junior high, so I like you teen girls and boys. Okay, last week I got a word about running your race or staying in your lane. And I felt so strong about that, about celebrating who we are. And the picture I got was huge. It was like this huge lane. There was so much room for you to run. There was so much space for you to be you in this race, in this lane, in this journey that we are going with God, with one another. But as I was thinking about the analogy of a race, and I was, I was like, oh, it's, it's interesting. When I think of a race, I think of sort of a competition. Because I, I'm remembering when I was in, oh gosh, when I was a little kid, me and sports and competition didn't really go so well. I, I liked running, for example, but running, I don't know, you just, I had asthma, so I would run a race, and then all of a sudden I'd get like an asthma attack, and then I'd be down, and then it was just really wasn't really fun to run that race and to win that competition. So then I thought, well, let me see. I could go um, try volleyball. But volleyball, as Jaden, where is he? Right here, knows I have this thing about me in sports. The balls always seem to hit me in my face. And so, and when I would play volleyball, I don't know, the volleyball would always just come and just hit me right in my face as I was trying. And then as I did tetherball, the tetherball would just really nail me in my face. And then even as I did basketball, like I actually didn't do basketball, but I was standing on the sidelines talking to my friends. And then all of a sudden the basketball just came flying out of nowhere and then like pushed me down on the ground. And I'm like, wow, sports. I don't think sports are my thing. And then I got to uh, high school and I'm like, but I feel like I should do sports. So I'm going to do lacrosse. Like lacrosse, like, that's sort of an intense sport. The guys lacrosse is way more intense. Like they're really aggressive. But girls, you, it's no contact. So I'm like, oh, I think I could do a club team. But then the girls, would, when the refs weren't looking, the girls would like take their sticks and start jabbing me in my side. And I'm like, oh, this is rough. Like, I feel, you're hurting my feelings. And then, or I would be on the field with my other friends that were in another school and they were playing lacrosse. And then we would have a small teeny tiny mountain. I'm like, hi, how's it going? And then I'd get yelled at because I'm talking on the field and we're supposed to be playing on the field. And so I'm like, okay, this is like, this is a, maybe this isn't working. But then I made it to college, and I found my sport. It was amazing. Ping pong. <laughs> Ping pong was my sport, and I was so good, actually. And I started to play. We would play at night, championships. I had my own ping pong ball. I had a little stand for it called, I, I named it. <laughs> anyway, too much information. G-Champ was the name of the ping pong ball on the little egg holder. Anyway, um, I played ping pong all the time, and then I got academic scholarship. Like, I was on an academic scholarship, and then I got on probation because I was not studying and I was playing ping pong. So I had to stop playing ping pong. <laughs> so I realized, okay, sports, 
competition, me, competitive, it's in there. It's totally in there, but it depends on the sport. And then I got married, and then the competition is on. I realize the competition is seriously deep inside because Clark actually is really good at ping pong. So we got a ping pong table, but then the ping pong and our relationship <laughs> didn't go so well because he would beat me and then I would be so mad. How could you beat me? I'm so good at ping pong. And so anyway, note to self, I learned. And then, so then we stopped that and we got cards. We're going to connect with cards. I think cards is good. So we were in Vail, Colorado. It was like perfect environment. Nice. The fire was going. It was romantic, snow falling, maybe a glass of wine. And we're like, oh, let's play cards. Let's play speed. And I, yeah, this is so fun and connecting and romantic. And then we start playing speed and then I start losing and then he starts getting competitive and cocky and I'm like, no, this is not fun. And anyway, our night of competition uh, end, did not end romantic. It actually ends very differently. Anyway, um, so but I so the theory, the, you know, the theme here is competition and being the greatest and being the best. And the question is, who is the greatest and who is the best? And I think that's a something we have in us. And actually, the disciples, we've actually seen who is the greatest, who is the best. That question coming up, am I important? What is my worth? That question is a question that's come up all through scripture and all through time. But I'm going to read actually two accounts in scripture where that question comes up. Jesus, who is the best? Who is the greatest one of all? And uh, it's Easter coming up. And so I'm actually picking a scripture. This is the third time that Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to be crucified. But the disciples are focusing on something else, and they miss the point of what Jesus is trying to tell them. So I picked a story about a mom. I'm a mom. I picked a story about a mom that has two boys. I have two boys. And I picked a story about this mom asking Jesus for something for their two boys, and I often ask Jesus for things for my two boys. Um, my things are a little more like, make them listen, make them go to bed. <laughs> no, I do have good things too, Jaden. Like, I pray that they would just love their friends and, and do well in school. Anyway, I pray different things, but this mom actually, she, I'm going to read it to you, but the people I'm focusing on here, we have the mom, and we have Jesus, and then we have the two sons, and then we have the disciples, the friends kind of watching this whole interaction. Okay, so this is in Matthew 20. The wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, Jacob and John. She knelt before him and asked him for a favor. He said to her, what is it that you want? She answered, Make the decree that these, my sons, will rule with you in your kingdom, one sitting on your right and the other on your left. Jesus replied, you do not know what you are asking. Then looking up in the eyes of Jacob and John, Jesus said, are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I am about to drink? 
And are you able to endure the baptism into death that I am about to endure? This is Jesus prophesying about his crucifixion. Then answer, they answered him, oh, yes, we are able. And he said, you will indeed drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed into my death. And Jesus told them, but to be the ones who sit in the place of highest honor is not mine to decide. My father is the one who chooses them and prepares them. And this is the, the part I'm kind of keying in on today. Uh, the disciples who are listening, the friends of Jesus, the ones walking with Jesus, uh, they said, the other ten disciples were listening to all of this. And a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. He's talking again about his death on the cross. And the disciples were walking with them. These were the people chosen by Jesus. Like, there's so many people, but Jesus said, no, I wasn't going to choose you guys to walk with me. That, that's pretty important, if you ask me. Like, that, these guys are friends with Jesus. They're important, but yet there's still something inside of them. Ah, I just want to be the best, or I just want to be the greatest, or I just want to be the worth the most in Jesus's eyes. There was this jealous anger that started to stir among the friends, the ones that were actually the leaders, the ones that were actually the most important people. And they were missing the fact that Jesus was telling them that I am going to die a terrible death. And he needed his closest people around him to pray for him, to intercede for him. But the disciples in that weak moment, they were focused on themselves. They were focused on self-promotion. And they missed what Jesus was actually inviting them into. And I had a weak... <laughs> I had a weak moment two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever. Where I, too, am a leader. I, too, walk with Jesus. I, I love him. And then I'm in this room with so many leaders, so many beautiful leaders. And I, I realized I started to keep, take my eyes off of Jesus. And I started to look at comparison of others and look at why am I not like that? And, you know, it's sort of in a funny, it's interesting. Like once you open the door to comparison, it sort of feels like a, it's like opening the door to a train that just wants to come and take you down. <laughs> That's how I literally felt, felt um, 
a few weeks ago, I'm just going to share this personal story, but um, we were at our house and we were having church and I got up, I was um, helping host the church. And after that, I thought, oh, I'm just going to look online and see really quick, like, could they be here? And I've never looked online at church because I'm always at church. And so I did. And the funny thing is, I'm, I'm always in the moment of church. So I'm like feeling, experiencing God in the moment. But this was the first time I wasn't in the moment. I was actually a spectator, like an observer looking in. And I looked at myself, and I was shaking like crazy. And I was really shaking. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks like I'm having a seizure. Like, that is not looking healthy. And I started to just judge myself, and then I started to get paranoid. Like, oh, my gosh, this is what happens? I go up front, and I shake, and then all these people are watching me shake. And, okay, the backstory behind the shaking, actually, is a really sweet story from God. And so the fact that I was judging myself on this very sweet story was interesting. Um, A few years back, I lived in Guatemala. I loved that place. And there I started to see signs and wonders. I literally, for the first time in my life, I started to see with my own eyes people getting healed. I started to see with my own eyes like people's prophesying and then their words actually coming to be and I started to see major signs and wonders and in that process I started to hunger for more of the Holy Spirit and so I started to ask I want that I want the Holy Spirit and so I as I asked that I noticed some interesting things happening when I would pray for someone um, for healing especially I would shake my hand would shake and so but at the time I didn't care really about my hand shaking because there was so much excitement that Jesus was literally changing people's courses of their lives because their bodies were physically being restored. So shaking of my hand is really not that big a deal when somebody's life is being restored. So when I came back to the States, it was different for me um, to find my place, but I did. And um, fast forward I worked downtown, in the, and I worked with a lot of different people with a lot of different sad stories, and eventually felt burnt out sad, and <laughs> um, went to SSM, School of Supernatural Ministry, and felt like God really did a deep work of restoration in my life, and in that process of learning my identity is not in what I do, but it's actually in who I am, my shaking became more and more. And that was so uncomfortable because I didn't have words in my mind for what was happening. But I knew in my spirit I was like being touched by God. And I know what it's like to cry and being touched by God. I know what it's like to laugh and being touched by God. But shaking felt really different and uncomfortable. And so, but I was also receiving so much love from the Father. So much love from him and so much freedom that I'm like, it's okay. I will shake because this is so worth it. I don't understand the shaking, but I will shake. I will surrender. I will surrender. And I just really practice the posture of surrendering. So the fact that fast forward, I'm now feeling like I've covered a lot of ground in 
and who I am. And then I look one Sunday at Zoom or Facebook, and I start judging myself for the very thing that God has used to set me free. And, but once you invite this in, and what I say when I say invite in, once you start agreeing, like, yeah, you're, those thoughts come flying at you, like, what are you doing? What kind of leader are you to just shake? You're just distracting people. You're not giving people any sort of support of God. Like, you need to step behind and let the real people stand up there that look good and are eloquent and speech and all these things that actually our culture, our world, our TV culture, our movie culture, our L.A. culture, there's so much beauty coming out of L.A. culture, coming out of the entertainment, and I see the ones in here that are making that into being, but there is so much of our L.A. culture that is saying you are only important if you look good. You are only important if you are in a romantic relationship. They don't even honor marriage. They just honor romance. So if you're single, you feel less than because you're not married. But if you're married, you feel less than because you don't have this booming romance going on. When all this is going, it's, it's this culture of feeding into these things that come into your brain that say, like, wow, I should look this way. I shouldn't be up there. I need, somebody else should be up there. So as I'm going through this process um, I did a few things because I could not stand that <laughs> feeling. And I have done a lot of work with um, taking captive of lies. So I wanted to just share a few things that I personally did in hopes that it would be helpful to you and if and when, well, when, <laughs> we're also in this culture and get influenced by this culture, these thoughts come hitting you. And you do give in. Because there's sometimes when you don't, like you just say, no, this is who I am. I'm walking forward. But then there's other times you're tired. <laughs> you're just like, okay, fine. I suck. And you just let them in. And so a couple things I do is um, I really find this so valuable to be super real with what is coming in. And the disciples, these are Jesus' closest friends. And they jealous anger arose among them. They knew they were gods, and yet jealous anger arose among them. So I want to just brush off shame for feeling any comparison or jealousy or anger, jealous anger, because that keeps us from going deeper. And it, it's like, oh, I shouldn't think these thoughts. I'm a Christian. Oh, I love that person. Why would I compare that person? Oh, just Brush it aside, brush it aside. But, you know, I often actually think that these are windows into the deeper parts of us. And a lot of times they're windows into wounds that haven't fully been dealt with. So I think um, just allowing yourself to, be, to go deeper and to create the space is so worth it to ask God those further questions. Like, God, where did this come from? Like, why is this such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal for me to care what I look like. And yes, we do live in LA, but image is a big deal for me. I, when I was little, I had a stomach disease and I was, when I was in junior high, they gave me tons of steroid and my face just blew up like a balloon and I'm in junior high. 
And so image was everything, and image was everything I didn't feel like I had at that point. And so image was just one of those wounds that just like got really rooted deep. And although I've worked a lot on it, I feel like this was an opportunity for the enemy, sadly, to just come in and bring this stuff. But when I sat before the Lord and I'm like, where did this come from? Like, remind, like, what is the core of this? And then he kept bringing different people that said different things or a circumstance or this or that. He'll bring things. You ask Holy Spirit, he'll bring these things to you. And then I get, I've gotten in this practice of, of forgiving, forgiving that person for saying that to me as I was a junior high kid or forgiving this person for this and that person for this or forgiving God because <laughs> um, sometimes, a lot of times, a lot, the older I am, the more I see this, but God does not work on our timelines. He does not, life does not look how we want it or think it should look. And sometimes that creates a lot of anger and bitterness, and it's worth attending to. And there's, it's worth grieving about. I remember when I was wanting to be married, and all my friends were married, and I felt left behind and I felt like I had to genuinely grieve that my life was not looking like I thought it was going to look. I had to grieve that because if out, without giving attention to that and allowing God to love that piece of me that really desired a good thing, I had to surrender and receive his love in the middle of surrender. And so grieving is super important as you're letting go and you're surrendering some of these desires. And then the last piece is like forgiving God and <laughs> forgiving yourself because sometimes we we are the reason why you know this that or the other happened. So in my story, I did those things and and then I just felt personally that I needed to go to a couple people and just confess. And there's just power in being in community with such beautiful, this is a room of very safe people. And I went to a couple of people and I confessed and I repented. And I, I said, I'm so sorry I've been comparing. And, um, and I feel like comparison can actually lead to judgment. And judgment makes me feel better because I'm putting you down. And I just need to release this. And then I had this beautiful encounter with the Lord where I was, um, I saw a picture and, and how God often speaks to me is through impressions. So I was, had my eyes closed and I had, had this impression that like God, Jesus, like holy, holy God was like standing before me. And I then saw myself and I'm like, weird. I'm not looking at Jesus. And Jesus is like literally like right in front of me. But I'm not paying attention to him. I'm looking over here. And over here are these two teeny little things that I was being distracted by. These little comparisons over here. And I just broke down crying with the Lord and repenting. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you're literally right here knighting me like he was honoring me and loving me and seeing me all of me the good the bad the ugly he was honoring me and I was missing it because I was looking over here and it reminded me of these friends Jesus was about to die 
He already chose these disciples. But yet the disciples were so distracted by self-promotion in that moment. They missed that Jesus was inviting them to be a part of his bigger story. And I feel like that is his invitation to all of us. We are invited into his bigger story. But when we compare we or get jealous or um, struggle with self-worth, we're looking now over here and we're missing what? We are running for his greatest, greatest time. Like Lori said, this is the greatest time in history. And we, as a body, get to be a part of that. And so I'm just so excited because I want to celebrate us. I want to celebrate this community. We, we do a good job here celebrating birthdays and babies and weddings. But I really want to be a community that goes after celebrating the heart of God. And the heart of God right here, who is the greatest among us, he says. Who is the greatest? And he says this. Well, I read it to you, but I'm going to read it to you again. He says, you will lead by a completely different model. We are leaders in this room. Like every, I can look at everyone and like, yeah, leader, 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 leader. But soon we will not have only leaders in this room, and we will lead them, but we will lead by a completely different model. We will, the greatest among you will live as one who are called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. And in Matthew 18, the disciples ask the exact same question who is the greatest? And Jesus says, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. So as a community, I just want to champion each other to be people with, that are hearts of a servant. I want to champion one another to be people that have heaven's kingdom realm in mind as you're mothering, as you're in business, as you're in a student. Those are our spheres of influence. The world needs us. And I feel so strong that when we go through the week, we need to come back into this safe space and we need to cheer each other on for stepping and bold forgiveness when you were insulted, for stepping into endurance when it feels like over and over and over, you're just praying and praying and praying and you're not seeing your breakthrough. This is a place where we come and we celebrate, but I've seen your endurance, Renee. <laughs> This is where I, I can, this is the part where I got crying because I can look around. Emily, I have seen your perseverance. I have seen your heart to go after wholeness. But I could go around again. I have, I have seen you choose. Your identity is in Christ, not in what the world says. And I could go over, oh my gosh, I could just go and just speak this over us. Because I just so believe we are a community that fights and cheers one another on to be God's 
servant-hearted people. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like I'm going to end soon. You guys might want to come up. Um, but I, I did have to tell you, I, I have a real important piece of my journey, but I think an important piece of journey with being in L.A. especially, but living life, is being in the Word, because it really is so different than, it's so different than um, the Bible. <laughs> like, we are all about quick fixes, and this Bible is not about quick fixing, except some healing. I see a lot of quick healing fixes. Um, but I want to read a few truths, because I just, it's so part of my journey. And so, <clears throat> Romans 12:3 God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard for the measurement and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. And again, this is where we can celebrate because there are so many God-given gifts here. The power of the living God is in you. So it's easy to celebrate what God is doing through you. And then he says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. He calls your life beautiful, satisfying. He calls your life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. He calls your life perfect in his eyes. And lastly, this is my, oh, I always pray this verse. <laughs> if you come up for prayer, I'm going to pray this over you. It's a, Romans 14. The mature children of God are those who moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Frontier. You have experienced the spirit of full acceptance. Enfolding you in to the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him. And saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. You, Frontier, are God's beloved child. And I'm going to end with one last story. I started this time talking about our race and a competition. And... I want to end, it's not a competition, but it is a race that's marked out for us, but we're not in it alone. 
And um, a few years ago, I decided to run a half marathon. God actually healed me of asthma. Jesus, thank you. Literally, it was in an instant at a HROC conference. So amazing. And I love running, but I still don't like racing. But I do love running. So I was running a marathon, half marathon, half, half, half. I'm never going to run a marathon. Um, half marathon. And I had a bunch of people cheering me on. I had friends, like, with making all these signs, and they were holding up their sign for me. And then towards the last few miles, it got really hard. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to do this. And I have a nine personality. I'm like, ah competition. I'll just give up. It's easier. <laughs> but I didn't want to give up. And, but I was, it was really hard. And my dad, <laughs> my sweet dad, he said, I'll run with you. So he just starts running with me for the last two miles and talking to me and running with me. And I just such a beautiful picture of what this is. This is what church is. You are running the race God has called you to. But we need each other. And we need to cheer each other on. And when, relig when jealous anger gets among us, it divides. And it's too tiring to run this race with people with jealous anger. But it is so encouraging to run our race with people cheering you on. And this church and this leadership is going to cheer you on. And yes, last week, I was like, I got a word, this word. And I'm like, I'm not sharing it. I'm going to shake, and I don't want to shake, so I'm not sharing it. And then I go to Christian and Sue, and I said, hey, can you just share this word? I don't want to share that word. And they're like, no, you share the word. And I'm like, I don't want to share the word. And I got up and I shared the word. And then I sat down. And then I got hit with so much, so much. Like, get out of here. You don't belong here. You're different. Get away. So much hate coming right at me. And it wasn't just for me. There is something that's trying to keep us from running our race. And it's not God. And it's not people. It's something else. But we as people, with the power of God within us, can fight this race together. And we can encourage and we can press in and we can repent. And we can confess. And we can go to truth for one another. And in that, we are going to run our race strong. We are going to run our race strong. We are going to finish with a cloud of witnesses. We are going to finish. So if you could stand up, we're just, I'm just pray for you. Yes. Yes, Lord, thank you. Lord, we surrender right now. We surrender. We repent of confusing the world's values for your values. We repent for losing a moment of distraction on looking around instead of looking at your face. We repent 
your gaze is on us. Your eyes are fixed right now in this moment on you. You, Jesus, are ready to run this race with strength, with power, with endurance, with perseverance, with love. Great, great, great love. Frontier, you have so much love. You have so much grace. You have so much forgiveness. You have the heart of a servant. Frontier, you have your eyes wide open for the realm of the kingdom. You have your eyes wide open for the realm of the kingdom. And you are God's. And Lord, I just ask that where we need discernment and wisdom in our businesses, in our motherhood, in our work of any kind of our weekly things, we ask for your wisdom and discernment to bring heaven on earth. Yes. Yes. So if you feel like you need extra prayer, please get prayer. <laughs> get prayer from someone next to you or come up and get prayer. But let us cheer one another on, guys. Oh, I love you guys. You're free to go.